3: Hello and welcome to Pubs Pints People for April. We're putting the spotlight this episode on Sheffield and we're virtually hosted by the Sheffield Camera Branch. This time I'm joined by Simon Webster and Alison Tapps. Hello both of you. Hello. Hello. And as well as um, featuring Sheffield we'll be looking at the key roles that women play in brewing and the world of beer and cider.
0: That's right. Sheffield is one of the UK's key beer cities to visit. And in this episode, I get to speak with Dave Pickersgill, who is the chair of the local camera committee charged with organising cameras members weekend, which is taking place in Sheffield from the 21st to the 23rd of April, which brings members together to discuss future policies, celebrate achievements and talk all things camera.
4: So in this episode we welcome back guest interviewer Sella Sims, who's had a great time talking with Tara Nguyen, acclaimed author of the book A Woman's Places in the Brew House, A Forgotten History of Alewives, Brewsters, Witches and CEOs. We'll follow up that with a history of women's brewsters and a chat with women in beer and cider today and into the future.
3: And in Sheffield, while it's a great city to visit at any time, I'm really looking forward to hearing about the preparations that Dave and his team of volunteers have made to look after around a 1,000 camera members who'll be gathering for the members' weekend. And Dave has lots of great advice on brewery, taps and pubs to visit whenever in Sheffield, because as well as his role with the AGM, he's also the pub's heritage officer for Sheffield Camera. And here he tells Simon all about the planning for the weekend.
1: The planning started actually an awful long time ago, back in 2019, where I asked if we could host the then-planned 2021 50th anniversary National Members Weekend AGM and Conference at Sheffield City Hall. We got into that, we started planning, we produced the logo, our spreadsheets were written, we sort of got it organised and then COVID happened and the whole thing got cancelled. And we were asked, I think it was late 21, if we could do the 23 AGM Members Weekend. We pulled out our spreadsheets from two years earlier, changed the dates and carried on. It will be a different venue Uh, This time it's at the Octagon at Sheffield University, quite close to the University of Sheffield tram stop. So very easy for transport links from Sheffield Station and the centre of town.
0: And could you give us just some headline facts and figures? So, you know, paint a picture really of, of what to expect.
1: Well the event itself actually starts um, a few days before. The setup starts from Monday when we'll be moving bits of kit around Sheffield. Tuesday we've got access to the space will become the members bar and I think it's 65 cask beers will be delivered plus eight ciders. We've got to build the rigging, create the bars, get the beers in place and all the associated tasks involved in that to effectively set up the members bar which will only be open for less than two days. Thursday afternoon. We've got the Sheffield Tap available. They're doing a brew day. For those of you that don't know, the Sheffield Tap is a Grade 2 listed building. It's on Canberra's National Inventory. of Pub Interiors as Freestar and it's also on Platform 1B of Sheffield Station. It's probably caused um, more people to miss trains than any other pub in the country. So Thursday afternoon, as I say, the... Uh, ben Tyson, the brewer, will be brewing, and he's quite happy to chat to camera members when they arrive. So if you're coming on Thursday, call in the tap, have a chat to Ben, have a chat to the one or two camera members. Local members will be there, and then off you go to your hotel or whatever. We're doing a similar thing on Friday afternoon at the Sheffield Tapper, meet and greet, but also wide around the city. We've got 10 or a dozen breweries which have taps or are prepared to put on a temporary tap, which will be open. So from 12 noon till 5, 6 o'clock Friday afternoon, if you go on the website, there's quite a range of places to visit, ranging from Grizzly Grains, which is half a mile from Sheffield Station, who only really started opening their tap a couple of months ago, and they only open it at the moment when Sheffield United are at home. Beasley Grain is quite an interesting brewery. They use an industrial unit. The other half of the industrial unit is basically a honey production setup. The brewer has two jobs. He's in charge of the honey and he's in charge of the beer. <laughs> so Friday afternoon, various breweries, as I say, are open. Registration officially starts at four o'clock. Most people, I would hope, will pre-register. If you pre-registered, all you actually need when you arrive is your card with your number on. If you haven't pre-registered, it takes a little bit of time because you've got to put your name down and all the rest of it. So pre-register in advance, please. Pre-registrations are currently just under 1,000, so we're expecting probably 1,000 or so um, camera members to attend. The members of homes at 4 o'clock, and we'll be up until 11 that night. Next day, Saturday, the conference starts. I'll probably get the time wrong. The conference starts in the morning. That's suitably vague. Uh, it starts with the AGM. And then goes into the conference, there's a lunch break, a conference again in the afternoon, followed by a choice of fringe events from half past three onwards. Members' Bowl will also be open. Into the evening, again, brewery visits, a similar selection as Friday evening, a couple of other events, Mike who's a local cider expert from a place called the Cider Hole. We'll be doing a talk, a tutored cider tasting presentation and talk. And Paul Ainsworth, who's chair of the National Camera Pub Heritage Committee, is going to lead a pub heritage walk from half past five for a couple of hours around various pubs in Sheffield that are on the various heritage listings. Sunday, I think it's at half nine, early start. Finish the conference, there's various presentations Conference finishes, members bar remains open, obviously Sheffield pubs are open as well. Most people will leave on Sunday afternoon and go back to far and wide. Some people we're were expecting, if they've been lucky enough to get tickets for the World Snooker, will stop on for a day or two and Monday it's tidy up, dust down and
0: job done. Fantastic. And just in terms of those brewery visits and tours that are planned across the weekend, can you just briefly name check some of the breweries that members will be lucky enough to visit?
1: Friday and Saturday, Neepsend, Stansell, Abbeydale, Triple Point and Toolmakers, which are all Sheffield Breweries, plus Chantry Brewery, who are based in Rotherham, literally just over the border. So all those breweries doing formal brewery visits for us. On the Friday afternoon, Had on a few of us, including Smod, St miles of the Desert, Grizzly Grains, as mentioned earlier, Brew Social, and a few of us. All the details on the Sheffield Camera website. That
0: sounds terrific. A really good chance to showcase, you know, the best of what Sheffield has to offer and how you know real ale and and live ale is thriving within the city and the surrounding area. And just in terms of the members bar itself, so can you talk about some of the beers that might be available there? And are there any that perhaps are not widely available elsewhere?
1: Um, we've got sixty-five cask beers. We've tried to get a beer from most of the breweries in Sheffield, to give an example, Heist Brewery. Which will be open on Friday afternoon, are producing two cask beers for us. Normally, all their production is keg, so these two beers are effectively one off, so they may be available in the odd pub. But um, Heist's Reed Good Stout at 4.3%. And a parking fine, a photo shoot, IPA, at 5%. Certainly won't be seen outside Sheffield, unlike to be seen anywhere else. Emmanuel's, another small Sheffield brewery. The brewery is in the cellar of the brewer's house in Walkley, in Sheffield. They've got Zion, Zion and Sons of Thunder, 4.2%, 4.6%, both unfined and naturally hazy, and a couple of pale ales, a couple of vegan pale ales. Looking down the list, From 65-ish beers, I counted about a third, 20 plus, 22, 23, of what I consider to be dark ales. We've got a lot of vegan ales and a fair number of gluten-free. So hopefully we've catered for all tastes in in terms of the palate of beers. Looking down the list, I could take the whole of this podcast going through the list. When I looked at it a couple of weeks ago, I thought there's at least 40 beers on this list I've not drunk before. But Dead Parrots, Maranta and Ho-Ho Hot again, a couple of beers you won't have heard of. Dead Parrot, again, another Sheffield brewery who will be open on Friday afternoon. The problem with coming to Sheffield to drink beer is uh, you simply don't have enough time. If I was doing a Sheffield visit for beer drinking, I'd want to stay for at least a fortnight.
0: <laughs> Definitely. And obviously, the camera represents real cider and real perry. So can you tell us anything about the, the ciders? And- yep,
1: we've got seven ciders, one perry on. One side that's worth a, really worth a quick mention is um, from Exemption Cider House in Sheffield, which is actually located at a small bar, the Cider Hole, which is one tram stop away from the Octagon, away from the venue. So that's if you're interested in cider, that is a place you should visit.
0: It sounds like a, a terrific range of ales, ciders and perries for people to enjoy. So uh, definitely something for listeners who are attending to look forward to. Just to say in closing, if you are a camera member who's planning to attend and you haven't registered, do head along to the camera website and make sure you register in advance. If you're lucky enough to be arriving earlier in the week, I know that there are still a handful of slots available for volunteers who would like to help with the setup between the 18th and the 21st of April. So more hands make light work. And if you have the opportunity to help, I know the organizing committee would very much love that.
3: Well, that takes me back. I was a student in Sheffield back in the day and long before most of those breweries even existed, I think. Although that's probably just as well, because at the time I was doing a course that was paid for by my my employer. So it's it's just possible that they may not have had their money's worth had all those breweries been around. But we used to visit a pub called the Frog and Parrot on Division Street. And I know it's still there. It's, it's a very different pub these days. though. when I was there, they brewed their own beer called Roger and Out. It was a really strong mm. barley wine style beer. You couldn't buy more than a third of a pint at a time. And um, I have to say, I I know that I did have some. I don't remember a great deal about it. That's because it was a long time ago and nothing to do with the strength or anything i'm sure <laughs> but do share your stories of, of memories of um sheffield and indeed recent memories of sheffield with us on social media of course with the, all our usual channels just search for pubs pints people
0: now even if you're not attending for the camera members weekend dave certainly makes sheffield sound like a very attractive beer destination i know i've visited a couple of times in the past but on my next visit i'm certainly going armed with a raft of new places to visit
3: Yeah, I liked the sound of some of those pubs that he mentioned. And of course, he's the editor of a new camera book as well, actually, Heritage Pubs in Sheffield, which you can get as a free PDF download. But the one I particularly liked the sound of was Sheffield Tap, Platform One at Sheffield Station. And he said it's probably caused more people to miss a train than any other pub in the country. Well, in my neck of the woods, the Station Buffet pub on Manning Tree Station, also on the platform in in Essex, might be one to put up a a good challenge for for missing trains. It's always a a stop-off for the Harwich Beer Festival for me you have to get out and go to the pub on the station platform then get back on the train to to go to Harwich. So
4: there's a few of those aren't there pubs that are around stations and station platforms I actually visited the Sheffield Tap when I was up there in January I know you uh, I gave you all a huge list of some of the fantastic pubs i had been to up in Sheffield and they were brilliant uh, but there is of course uh, a wonderful small petite Cider, uh, a specialised pub up in Sheffield, the Cider Hole. It's a dedicated cider house and tap room, and they actually ferment cider in there with you so you can see... Uh, you can see the presses and things like that, and that's fantastic. Now, Mike Pomerantz, who is from the USA, runs that uh, cider-making business and the tap, and he's going to be leading a cider tasting uh, very soon. So if you're in that neck of the woods, pop in. Also, very excitingly, himself, Mike, and his colleague, Matt Beatty, who owns Micropub, The Bear, have just announced plans to create a unique city centre bar and cider brewery in the
3: former shoe shop just in time for summer. That sounds really good so whether we're staying in Sheffield or whether we're heading further afield it's time to delve into our good beer guides or swipe on the app for we're only here for the beer although we're here for much more than the beer really. So Simon where are you starting with?
0: Well I had a lovely and completely unplanned visit to the Pool Arms which overlooks the harbour in this fantastic Dorset town. I was actually lucky enough to be staying on Brownsea Island for the weekend And so we popped in on a Sunday afternoon to find the pub absolutely packed. I was so impressed with the quality of the two beers that I tried. A fantastic porter called the Old Smoky Porter from the Stonehenge Brewery. And also a proper job from the rather well-known brewery called St Austell that I made the little extra effort to score them both via camera's national beer scoring system.
3: Oh well done you. Well um, my choice this episode is a pub that has a mild on all year round because we are coming into mild month in May so mild all year round what's not to like there. Now it's not a pub I've ever visited but it's certainly on my list it's the Lion Tavern it's in Moorfields in Liverpool and just uh, taking a look in my good beer guide um, it t- tells me that the pub is on the national camera's national inventory of historic pub interiors it has up to eight beers on all the time as well um, uh, or, or most of the time anyway and uh, includes ales from local micros local gins as well uh, it just sounds a, an amazing place the Lion Tavern in Moorfields in Liverpool
4: sounds fabulous um i'm going to give a name check to a pub that i have to say i absolutely adore Uh, and we're back in in london where i am and this is the incredible southampton arms It's a refurbished and revitalised classic London boozer, but the list of beer and cider are terrific. All independent, all really exciting, an ever-changing selection. Last time I was there, I had a superb mild and some delicious real ciders. So it is a London classic. It's absolutely beautiful, and I love the fact that the sign on the uh, on the window says beer, cider, meat. Uh, and they do some fantastic sausage rolls and pork rolls. And it is really superb. Fantastic atmosphere. There's even a piano. And if you're lucky, someone will be playing and having a bit of a sing-along. So
3: a highly recommended pub. That sounds fabulous. Not not one I've visited either, but uh, another one to add to the list. Now, a, a TV host and beer writer in the US, Tara Nuron, has released her first book, A Woman's Place is in the brew house in 2021. It won a first place award from the North American Guild of Beer Writers. Stella Sims has had a chat with her.
2: My name is Taryn Nurin. I'm based outside Philadelphia in the United States, and I am a longtime journalist. I've spent the past 20 or so years focusing primarily on beer and some spirits, and as a subspecialty within that, I focus a lot on women in beer, and I have published a book called Women's Places in the Brew House: A Forgotten History of Alewives, Brewsters, Witches, and CEOs.
5: What made you want to research the subject of women in brewing? I guess you thought it was really important to start kind of digging into that history.
2: I really started writing about women in beer in 2005. And at the time in the United States, there were not that many females in the beer industry and really not very many people writing about females in the beer industry and even fewer women writing about women in the beer industry. So it was an area that I wanted to highlight. I wanted to get these women some recognition for their incredible accomplishments. I wanted to show the rest of the world that women can and are doing fantastic things in brewing. Why did you think it was
5: really important to write this book?
2: Women have been the original brewmasters in pretty much every civilization throughout time and space. Beer has been drunk throughout human history in the absence of safe potable water, in the absence of affordable beverage alternatives. People didn't drink soda or, or juice necessarily back in olden times, quote unquote. Wine was often for the upper classes. Families drank small beer and cider morning, noon, and night because it was part of the daily meal. It was women's work. Beer actually belonged to women. And so it's quite an affront that most of society, not just men, but the majority of women also don't really know about women's involvement in beer. If it weren't for women, we might not be drinking beer today. I know that your
5: subtitle to the book is A Forgotten History. Why do you think women have been written out of this history,
2: It's not so much that they've been written out, it's just that they've pretty much never been written in. This isn't the story of beer necessarily. This is the story of women. And it's the story of how women get ignored, overlooked, subjugated, discriminated against in all sorts of semi-benign to pretty strikingly tragic ways. And it's important for people to know that women have had roles in a lot of important parts of history and haven't gotten the credit for it, either in real time or later on, decades later, centuries later. And so very often throughout history, women have not been allowed to own property. They haven't been allowed to keep their own business affairs. They have been illiterate. They haven't necessarily known how to count or do numbers. So records don't contain evidence of women who were doing the work. It can be incredibly hard to figure out what women have been doing in the professional and personal sphere throughout history because they aren't represented in the records accurately. And if we're talking about historians working at the same time as the women or historians looking back because women's work is women's work, it's often not considered important or interesting enough to write down by the literate male historians who are doing the writing.
5: What do you think are some of the key moments in history for women and brewing that you highlight in your book?
2: I try to represent everywhere that has been a significant beer-making center. I start in Africa in hunter-gathering days. I look at ancient Mesopotamia. I look at ancient Egypt. I look at medieval Germany. I spend a good bit of time in the UK, sort of between the years 1000 and present. I look at colonial America. I look around the world at contemporary women brewing History repeats itself with staggering regularity. What was happening with women in beer in ancient Egypt happened in Britain in the 18th and 19th century industrial revolutions is the same thing that happened in colonial America. And um, the biggest surprise to me of the book is really, if you'll forgive the cliche, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The types of sexism and discrimination that have been going on for thousands of years are still going on
5: did you manage to highlight throughout history some really amazing women involved in making beer some some stories that you just thought wow i've never heard that before
2: constantly i mean i was exhaustive as possible in digging up histories I learned about some women who pioneered American craft brewing whom I'd never heard of before. For instance, the brewery that gets credited with starting the craft beer revolution, which I credit for starting the global craft beer revolution. You know, if we want to look at our definitions here in the States as being independent and small and having started um, in the 1970s and later, the brewery that gets credited for launching that is New Albion Brewing in Northern California. And there's a guy named Jack McAuliffe who gets all the credit for starting that brewery well I didn't know until not long before I started my research that two women actually funded that entire operation and one of them stayed through and ran it until they closed it down six years later
5: from your research what does the present and future for women in brewing look like
2: I think that the future is brighter now for women in beer than it has been in at least centuries. When the craft brewing revolution started in the 1970s, two women were actually responsible for that and the advent of craft brewing has caused the establishment of a lot of smaller breweries around the world as you know here in the united states we're at about (laughs) 9,400 as we speak and um, that's opened up a lot of opportunities for women i mean obviously a lot of these breweries and ancillary businesses are family owned so you do see a lot of say husband wife teams getting involved but more than that the number of women entering the industry is really working well to show other women that they can enter the industry. So whereas before 2013, I rarely saw women working in production, I very often would see them in sales or HR or in the lab. Now we see women working all aspects of production all the time and not just production, but all sorts of C-suite levels. They own supplier companies, they're lawyers, they're tour operators for fantastic beer trips. So the numbers are growing for sure. I think that women of color are starting to show themselves as being beer appreciators and, and joining the industry more than they have in contemporary times. I just hope that the culture can continue to evolve so that women don't feel like they're getting pushed out of the industry. Because even after the 2021 Me Too movement started in beer, there's still a lot of women who have been in the industry a couple of years or more. Who who just get sick of the treatment, get sick of the discrimination, get sick of it being so much harder for them to work in the industry than men, and they they give up and they they leave the industry, and I do still see that a lot. So I'd like to reverse that. I'd like to see more women in higher positions, and um, I'd like to see more women of color getting invited into the industry, respected, promoted, 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 promoted. promoted. <laughs>
4: So it's fascinating, isn't it, that uh, it, it, if it weren't for women, we probably wouldn't be drinking beer today, because in most civilizations, females were the original brewers, and it seems to me that that's the case. And then as soon as it, the business gets bigger and money starts to be involved, uh, somehow or other the men take over. What do you think about that? <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> somehow not surprising. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting, actually, to hear how much of women's contributions to brewing and the drinks community has not really ever been properly recorded. And so today's role models are so important to encourage more women to become involved in beer. We've been talking about Sheffield. It wouldn't be possible to visit Sheffield without discussing the inspirational Jules Grey from Sheffield's Hop Hideout. Jules is passionate about Sheffield, about good causes, about making beer a welcoming space for everyone, and is also founder and organiser of Sheffield Beer Week and Indie Beer Feast. Now, Jules has a love for wild ales, funky beers, natural wines, farmhouse cider and at the hop hideout loves nothing more than helping you find something you'll love to drink.
0: As one of a handful of 100% female-owned beer shops in the UK, Jules Gray has from the very start championed women's brewers and breweries. She knows and values how much visibility counts in making the beer world a broader, more diverse and ultimately a much more improved place for those who are in it. Last year, she worked with Jager Wise, owner and head brewer at Wildcard Brewery, to produce a flapjack stout with the Crafty Beer Girls. And I'm actually looking forward to interviewing Jager for the next episode of this podcast
4: yeah your lucky thing we had we almost got into an arm Mm. wrestle about that who was going to get to uh, interview jager didn't we simon and you you won Uh, but i absolutely love jager wise of course based in walthamstow in my neck of the woods in east london she's a brewer a campaigner a broadcaster i absolutely love her on the food program on radio 4 and an author and in 2018 she was named brewer of the year by the british guild of beer writers
3: and something else that uh, caught my eye is that northern photographer Marge Bradshaw has recently started a Brewster's series of photos of women in beer in the north, including profiles of Jules Gray from Sheffield and also Julia O'Grady from Neptune Brewery in Liverpool amongst uh, some, of, some of the photos that you can see. Oh, yes, Julie. Yes, we, I interviewed her for this
4: podcast a couple of months ago. Yeah, she was great. So there are lots uh, lots of people that we can highlight. Uh, a fellow micropub owner uh, over in West London is Lucy Doe, who owns the DoDo Micropub, and she uh, she's a fabulous sort of leader uh, in women in pubs, and she does a great job there. Of course coming back to Brewers we've got a fantastic choice of Brewsters you've got Sarah Barton from Brewsters Brewing uh, you've got Lily Waite from Queer Brewing we've got Ruth Mitchell the managing director at Elusive Brewing and Georgina Young of course uh, these days she's the head brewer at St Austell and Barfales and then also I want to mention Sophie de Ronde, who's a real hero of mine fantastic brewer uh, lead brewer at Burnt Mill she used to be at Brentwood which one of my locals I think she's superb It's wonderful also to see women of colour Brewsters, such as Jager Wise at Wildcard and Helena at Echo Brewery. And just the other day, I was talking to a fantastic uh, cider maker based in Leicester, Hiranthi Cook, who makes some stunning cider at her own cider house, Sidentro
3: and if you want to read more why not take a look at uh, what's brewing online because this month they've announced the return of the women on tap festival that's at the end of may and what fest is a brew a beer and arts festival it's dedicated to promoting equality and diversity in the brewing industry and that takes place from the 24th to 28th of may across harrogate and online with national partners hosting their own initiatives and the Women on Tap festivals organised by Rachel Autie, who's a Yorkshire-based beer enthusiast and also a champion of women's rights.
0: Of course, What's Brewing is an an online archive and news site these days for for camera members. And there are some great features if you look back to March, when it was International Women's Day. Uh, Amongst the articles that are worth taking a look at is one about Manchester's Crafty Beer Girls, a social group for beer-loving and beer-curious women.
4: May, of course, is mild month. But it also sees the return of Cider Month and you'll be able to find out a daily timeline all about Cider and Perry with news about learning and discovery content and discussion about orchards, blossom and all things Cider and Perry. So follow camera events listings for a whole host of festivals, Apple Days, Blossom Walks, Cider tastings and tours. So our last interview this episode is one I did with Jenny and Kenny Bruton. And they've created the wonderful Real Ale Finder app. Now, we are regular users of this in the hop-in. And what this app does is it provides us with a digital listing of all draught beers and ciders uh, so that you can see what's being poured in the bar live in real time. Now, it's started to be used by hundreds of venues, and I thought we'd catch up, uh, and Kenny explains what it does.
6: It's an app. Actually, it's two apps. Pops have their app and customers have their own one. And the whole focus of the app is to provide real-time information about beers that are available, particularly uh, beers nearby. And people kind of want that sort of information, and pubs are best place to provide that. The customer app, they can follow pubs, be notified of uh, beers that come in. There's proximity alerts, so if if they've got a favourite beer, for example, and they're out and about, and a a pub puts that beer on, they'll, they'll get an alert about that.
4: Wow. And I mean, so what I think is going to be really interesting to some of our listeners uh-huh. is the fact that if you've got a beer that you're madly passionate about, like I've got a deep pash for many beers, but particularly the Sarah Hughes Ruby Mild, which I can never get, I can follow that beer on Real L Finder and you will ping me if it's anywhere near me. Is that right?
6: That's exactly, exactly what it is. Uh, I mean, Jenny and I love Titanic from Porter. <laughs> oh, Yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah I'm sure you're not alone there actually Ken. there's Ken. a lot of passion in the world for that for that particular gorgeous porter wow okay so that's fantastic so the other thing from the customer point of view is when I look on it if I'm planning a trip to an area or looking for pubs what can I look at on there what can I see
6: you can actually uh, search for pubs by town and have a look see what pubs are there see what they've got on I mean, obviously, not every pub in the UK is on, on the app, but pubs using Real Ale Finder will be listed there. And you can have a look and see what beers have got and get an idea roughly how up-to-date that information is.
4: Yeah, because one of the joys of this, of course, is that you're... we're updating because we use it in the hop in obviously but we are updating the app in real time so as soon as a cask runs out and we switch over we automatically do that on real ale finder so people can see the ping and it's like oh look something's changed a new beer's gone on
6: exactly that's that's the whole focus of the pub really and hopefully that connection brings a few extra customers in
4: absolutely and from a customer point of view i can see exactly what's on and decide whether i want to go to pub a or pub b Obviously, you, I can hear that you're beer lovers. What made you decide to start this up?
6: It actually goes back quite a long way. Uh, I've been trying to build something like this for a very long time. Uh, I started off around about late 90s, 2000 with a mobile website I built called ukpubs.org, which didn't really get off the ground. I mean, uh, the, the technology back then was limited. Text-based browsers on fairly really primitive mobile phones. <laughs> it was just basic pub information. I, I couldn't really get very far with it, so... I basically shelved that for the best part of 15 years. When we moved up to the Midlands, we were in a pub one Sunday afternoon. We were trying to track down some beers that we wanted to try, and we were calling a few pubs, and I thought, there's got to be a better way than this. How can we find out what's on in pubs? how can we make it really easy for pubs to update live beer lists and it just got us thinking about that and one of the local micro pubs that had just opened up I got chatting to him one day and he was very interested and very supportive as was the uh, the non eating camera branch in fact the chairman gave us a spreadsheet with lots of real ales and beers that he tried sort of started the database off kind of took over from there the lord hop was the first micro pub to have our tv screen feed and it's just been growing ever since then
4: Fantastic. So Camera really was an initiator in terms of getting you started. Absolutely. Roughly how many pubs have you got listed with Real Elf Find and how many that are actively using it at the moment?
6: Round about a thousand are actively updating regularly. We kind of call that pubs in the green zone, regularly updating, but there's there's a bit of churn obviously. You know, it's, uh, it's a living thing almost.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Like real life, it comes and it goes, doesn't it? For sure. <laughs> yeah. OK, um, so who's, uh, which pubs are big users for you at the moment?
6: There's a bunch of pubs that stand out. There's the, the recent UK camera uh, pub of the year, Tamworth Tap, is at the top at the moment. Uh, Hop in, Hornchurch uh, comes in next, and then the Black Country Arms. Uh, all of these pubs, they've been using the app for three, three and a half years. And they're, they're in the hundreds of followers now.
4: I'm Obviously, v- we're very interested in using the app, hence why we do quite well at the, in the leaderboard there. But it's great to see people like the Tamworth Tap coming through and getting involved, because I'm sure lots of people have got interest in them as they are our new uh, UK pub of the year. So it's fantastic. So yeah, we sort of feel a little fellow feeling with some of our top people on the leaderboard. We, we Phil and I were so, oh, we must go and visit them. As a user of The Real Ale Finder, have you both got any hints or tips for me as a user? User about how I can get the best out of Real Ale Finder.
6: I think probably follow your favourite pubs.
4: Word of mouth is the best marketing tool. Absolutely. <laughs> what was that, Jenny? Sorry, the best word of mouth. Yes, m- word of mouth is definitely the best marketing tool. That's how a lot of pubs have come to us actually, because obviously it's people using the app for you know their local pubs and they're visiting different areas and they'll say, "Oh, have you used this app?" So that's how we get a lot of interest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know if you like the sound of Real Ale Finder, mention it to your local because that seems to be. The way forward and we can get more people on it and then when we're traveling we can see exactly what beers delicious beers and ciders we can choose to drink because you do um allow us to list draft ciders there as well don't you
6: that's correct uh, i mean it's, it's called real ill finder we have uh, ciders we also have craft beers as well a lot of people are confused by the name perhaps real ill finder you can list foreign beers you can actually list your gins and wines whatever really there's a section on the app called other products
4: Speaking of that, what are your future plans for Real Ale Finder? What have you got in mind for taking it forward?
6: We'd love to see the app growing, obviously, and evolving. And we're also planning to build an area for the app for breweries. I mean, I see it as a sort of triangle, you know, pubs, customers, breweries. We haven't really done enough for the breweries. And we'd love to build a portal so that they can send us their tasting notes.
4: Fantastic. So that sounds really good. So it can become a really helpful, as you say, triangular portal for everybody to talk to everybody else. So tell me, where's your local? Where do you drink?
6: Uh, The Dean Tavern in Newton Grange is our local. Uh, They always have a really good ale on, usually from a local brewery, and it's always in tip-top condition. So whenever we can, we pop down and and have a pint there.
4: And favourite beers? Any favourite beers from both of you?
6: Titanic Plum Porter. Always
0: Titanic Plum Porter, yes.
4: Yes. Yeah. Oh, great porter. So, yes, you're not alone with that one, I'm sure. But, yes, so we will, we'll raise an imaginary glass of Titanic plum porter and say thank you very much for all you do with Real alfinder Finder and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing where it goes in the future. Cheers, both.
3: I really like the sound of that app, but one thing does slightly bother me is whether it becomes a bit of a kind of, you know, the, the landlord or landlady is all very enthusiastic when they first get onto it, but then perhaps... It becomes a bit tiresome. Do you, do you find that, Alison? Do you have to kind of make the effort to make sure you're updating the app all the time, or or is it not really a pain at all to do that?
4: No, I mean it's really easy, honestly. They've got a special app for us publicans, and it's it's done in the matter of seconds. And it's just something now we automatically do. So any time a beer runs out and we replace it with a new one, or a cider does, we literally just change it in real time. So it can, it's super accurate, and you can see exactly what's on offer. So for me, for example, I love using, as I mentioned, uh, a the camera good beer guide app and that helps me to choose what pubs i want to visit and then i use it in conjunction with real ale finder and it shows me exactly what's pouring at that pub so i can uh, make my decision particularly if i'm somewhere like sheffield and i've got a lot of choice the other thing that's fantastic and i think you're going to love this is if you've got a favorite beer or cider that you are passionate about and want to drink if you follow it on The Real Ale Finder, then you can find it. Yes, yeah, so we really super heavy users of it. And, and definitely this year's pub of the year, National Pub of the Year, the Tamworth Tap are also big users. So lots of reasons to download it. And of course, the other good news is it's free, which, as we all know, is the best price.
3: Absolutely. Well, I should, I should keep an eye on that one. And I uh, yeah, hope that some of the pubs around my way start uh, using it if they're not already. And uh, that will help immensely when I know there's a beer I want to try and find out where it's on. But... Just before we go, talking of beers, it's time for our last orders. I'll mention what I'm drinking as we record this in a moment, but I must just give a nod to my first taste of a special coronation ale. And I'm sure we're going to see more of these as the coronation gets closer. It was brewed by Maldons of Sudbury and Suffolk. It's a very pale crisp ale it's four percent abv i found it in a local pub but it is also available in bottles to buy direct from the brewery and i'm sure there'll be a lot more combination ales i don't know if you've got any in the pub already yet alison or or news of any coming in
4: i'm
3: sure we will get some yeah but my beer of choice today is from the three blind mice brewery who are based near ely in cambridgeshire they're simple stouts and i found this on at another local pub 5% ABV it's a roast oatmeal stout it's actually quite complex despite being called simple stout Um, it's somewhat bitter aftertaste but really smooth nice hint of coffee as well and in fact it only went on at my local pub today so I might have to pop back over the next couple of days for some more
0: well I want to give a a mention to two beers this month so the first is a one-off brew from North London's Redemption Brewery it's in March they brewed an extra special bitter or ESB which came in at 5% ...and was available on cask at the Wandsworth Common Beer Festival in South London. I have to say that really it was so good that I returned for a second... ...which is something I almost never do at beer festivals. The other beer I want to quickly mention is one that I'm looking at in in bottle now... ...as we record this episode and it's called Middle Age Spread... ...which is a 5.2% ABV stout from Happelby Brewery. I picked this up at the renowned shop at TB Services on the M6... ...as I was venturing north to visit my parents... And it's described as a black malty ale with strong roasted coffee and a dark chocolate aroma. Mm,
4: This all sounding very nice and uh, dark beers. And as we are, May, and I do deeply love it, I have got a bottle in front of me right now. And I'm going to be nominating Harvey's Wonderful Dark Mild. It, of course, is beautifully malty and mellow. Uh, It's soft and really, really slightly sweet with a lovely dry, nutty flavour. And although it's a dark beer, it's actually remarkably refreshing and a relatively light ABV, of course, which makes it something that you can definitely drink whilst recording a podcast. As well as a beer, I'm going to, of course, pick a cider, as I always do. And I've been really spoilt for choice this month because I've been tasting some amazing things. But I've decided to go for a wonderful cider uh, that's just been released by Tom Oliver of Oliver's Fine Cider. And this is a bottle-conditioned cider made by him in herefordshire and it is something very very special he's called it service and he's released it as a nod to a very long reign of service that's recently come to an end and it's something that i think is just full of flavor and character and chatting with tom i think we both agree that it's certainly got lots of time so if, if you were to get a bottle of this it's something you could keep for a good five to ten years and it will just keep improving so it's something pretty sensational
3: well that sounds fantastic So I think that's just about it for this episode. But uh, until next time, time to say... Cheers. Cheers! How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free, courtesy of our pals at Beer52, by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 5, 2 in the 52. And covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52
0: is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world. And this month, it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent.
4: So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Derges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia, and Austria, among others.
3: And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light only case. Also included is the ever insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time.
0: So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.